Hey, what's up everybody? This is Austin Haynes with the Waking Justice Project, and this is your daily wake-up call. Here's what the corporatocracy is up to today, October 9th, 2019. You can visit our website at wakingjustice.org for more details. Here are the headlines. It's Whistleblower Wednesday today, where each Wednesday we focus on whistleblowers, the brave activists who work to expose the corporate takeover of our democracy. Some of the most important patriots in U.S. history were whistleblowers. In fact, the U.S. was practically founded by whistleblowers. For a brief history, you can check out our first edition of Whistleblower Wednesday in our October 2nd podcast. Today, we'll focus on the Powell Memo. It's probably the most important evidence yet revealed that shows the full scope of the corporate agenda to take over our democracy. The leaked memo was written by Supreme Court Justice Lewis Powell in 1971, just weeks before President Nixon appointed him to the U.S. Supreme Court. Before the Supreme Court, Powell was a corporate attorney, representing big business clients such as the Tobacco Institute. The Tobacco Institute was a lobby group for Big Tobacco that bribed legislators like Senator Mitch McConnell to block regulations on tobacco due to health concerns. Powell's memo was titled, quote, Confidential Memorandum, Attack on American Free Enterprise System. He was writing it to the U.S. Chamber of Commerce, which is a non-governmental right-wing lobby group made of conservative corporate elites. Political science scholars have described it as a call to arms for U.S. corporations to defend their, quote, profit system from the rise of the new left. World-renowned scholar and political activist Noam Chomsky says Powell's memo reads like a spoiled three-year-old who expects to have everything and somebody takes a piece of candy away from him and they have a tantrum. To better understand what Powell and the corporate elites were freaking out about back then, we should recall the historical context at that time. Powell wrote his memo in 1971, following the explosion of pro-democracy activism in the 1960s. Here's a brief list of the policy reforms in that decade. In 1962, Researcher Rachel Carlson's groundbreaking book, Silent Spring, exposed the effects of pesticides on wildlife and human health and helped launch the modern environmental movement. Throughout the 60s and early 70s, major new environmental reforms were created to regulate corporate polluters, including the Clean Air Act of 1963, the Solid Waste Disposal Act of 1965, the Motor Vehicle Air Pollution Control Act of 1965, the National Environmental Policy Act of 1969, creation of the Environmental Protection Agency in 1970, sweeping amendments to the Clean Water Act in 1972, a nationwide ban on DDT in 1972, and the Endangered Species Act of 1973. In 1963, there was the Equal Pay Act, which mandated employers to give women equal pay for equal work. In 1964, the Civil Rights Act prohibited racial and gender discrimination in the workplace and mandated equal employment opportunities. In 1966, the National Organization for Women, NOW, 
lobbied to require corporations to provide maternity leave rights and child care support for working parents. And just two months before Powell wrote his memo, the famous Pentagon Papers were leaked to the media, exposing a 30-year history of war profiteering in Vietnam by U.S. banks and corporations. It was the largest military construction project in U.S. history and rife with corporate cronyism and corruption. What is not evident from the timeline above, and maybe most important to mention here, is that over the course of all that activism in the 1960s, civil rights activists had begun to combine forces with anti-war activists. Blacks and working class whites were realizing that they were fighting the same fight. Maybe the most meaningful example is the Poor People's March that Martin Luther King Jr. had begun organizing in early 1968. Dr. King had been consulting with Senator Bobby Kennedy and others about an economic bill of rights for poor people, black and white. It was a $30 billion anti-poverty package that included a commitment to full employment, a guaranteed annual income, and expansion of low-income housing. Dr. King was planning a Poor People's March on Washington to present the new plan to Congress and the President. The march was designed to include both civil rights activists as well as anti-war activists. Bobby Kennedy, who was leading the Democratic primary in the run-up to the next presidential election, had agreed to join Dr. King in Washington in support of the Poor People's March and the new Economic Bill of Rights. But just two months before the march was to commence, both Martin Luther King and Bobby Kennedy were assassinated within weeks of each other. In his memo to the U.S. Chamber of Commerce, Powell characterized the coalescence of black civil rights activists with white anti-war activists as a broad assault on the free enterprise system by extremists on the left. Powell advised the corporate leader's need to learn how to, quote, conduct guerrilla warfare against this movement. He called on corporate elites to fight back by infiltrating the free press, academia, the three branches of government, and the courts. Justice Powell's memo had an immediate influence on corporate elites. In the 70s, they began building a powerful array of corporate think tanks and other institutions designed to shift public attitudes and beliefs over the course of years and decades. They created the Heritage Foundation, which shaped Bill Clinton's welfare reform bill that ended six decades of guaranteed help to the nation's poorest children. The Manhattan Institution, which advocates for privatization of public services, deregulation of environmental and consumer protections, and cuts in government spending on social welfare programs. The Cato Institute, which lobbies for privatization of social security, public schools, and public water sources. Citizens for a Sound Economy, which lobbies for bank deregulation and fights healthcare reform to protect big pharma profits. And Accuracy in Academia, which recruits students to spy on left-wing professors and promotes right-wing activities on college campuses. These think tanks, their lobbying efforts, and hundreds of offshoot campaigns have been founded by wealthy corporate elites since their inception. As indicated above, over the past 40 years, they have helped corporate elites infiltrate all American institutions of democratic reform in America. And a recent Princeton University study has revealed that over that time frame, the average American worker 
has had a near zero, statistically non-significant impact on public policy. And that anytime corporate elites want to block a new policy, there's a 100% chance they'll get their way. The Powell memo was eventually leaked to journalist Jack Anderson, but not until well after Powell's confirmation to the Supreme Court. So do you think Powell's personal views affected his decisions on the Supreme Court? Here's a clue. As Supreme Court Justice, Powell wrote the majority opinion in First National Bank of Boston versus Belodi, which granted for the first time First Amendment rights to corporations. Most see this ruling as the beginning of corporate personhood, the idea that corporations have the same rights as people. As Pulitzer Prize-winning journalist Chris Hedges says, the corporate coup d'etat of our democracy is now complete. The corporations have won. But we're not done, y'all. We can't be. This corporatocracy has pushed us to the brink of social and ecological collapse. But we can fight back and we can win. We just have to wake up to the fact that America is now occupied by a corporate plutocracy. We have to realize that our best and only real leverage against this corporatocracy is mass organized boycott. Gandhi understood this in his fight for India's independence. So did American workers in their mass strikes in the 1930s. Martin Luther King during the bus boycotts and restaurant sit-ins in the 1960s. Cesar Chavez during the grape and salad boycotts in the 1960s and 70s. And college students boycotting South Africa to end apartheid in the 1980s. If you want to learn how all of us in the work of global justice can join together in strategic boycott and force this corporatocracy to the people's bargaining table to end all this injustice and corruption and to save our planet, please visit our website at wakingjustice.org to learn more. You can check out our About page and listen to our first podcast. And if you want to get involved, please fill out the Join Us form at the top of the page. Or you can email us at info at wakingjustice.org. We'd love to hear from you. We're running out of time. Join us. Peace. You must be involved in the struggle for freedom and justice. Justice is rising and it ain't just us, it's all of us. If it's our love.